What's up, guys? He's Jamie Bowler. I'm Matt Hernandez, and this is Framed Up. Guys, building a strong frame takes a lot of That's why we're here. Let's get after it. James, how are what you? What up, guys? man? That was good. Well, I'm glad. All I can say is I'm glad that people can't see us because you look extremely unprofessional right now. <laughs> Which is not. I, I look. I look very athletic. You know, I was getting ready to train. That's debatable. It's leg day, baby. Leg day. I don't think you did legs anymore. Well, I took a hiatus from them due to the back injury, but um, I want big legs, quote, so I want to be Quadzilla. Quote unquote back injury. What? Suppo- supposedly. <laughs> I've never hey, seen any proof. It is a it is a back injury. What do you you need to prop up your mic there? Yep, I need. I don't have a fancy setup like you. I have to make it closer so people can hear me. Yeah, this nice little boom arm here. That is cute. It's from Amazon. Mm, the enemy. They, they suggested that we buy it when we ordered the microphone. I bet they did. I bet, and you just played right into uh, it, along with like twenty other pieces. So. Oh, you're such a sheep. Such a sheep. So what's going on, man? What's up? How have you been? We haven't been on in a while. Or it feels like a while anyway. Yeah, you've been hard to pin down lately. Oh gosh. How did I know? How did I know that was coming? Just so busy. It has been. You know, I always know. Like I just I know how you're gonna approach a situation. If I'm going to tell the truth. To it, if right. you can get to it first, it's going to be my fault. Gosh, maybe that's why we're such good friends. <laughs> friends? What? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, Let's not is, give people the wrong impression here. That's very debatable. Very debatable. Well, it, we haven't done an episode in, or recorded an episode in a couple of weeks, and I've had some pretty big changes in my professional life. Yes, you have, which we did briefly touch on the last did we, one. Did we talk about it? Well, yes, but you hadn't made the commitment yet. You had like your toe in the water because we were talking about the, the best Sony, camera. And had I gotten the Sony stuff yet? You had you gotten it yet? I don't know. Probably. Maybe you had. I think maybe I, you had the A the A four. I yeah. don't remember. I, well, I, but that's what I got an AR. A, is it A7R4 or AR7? A7R4. A7R4. Yeah. And, so uh, you, we had briefly talked about it, but I mean, why don't you fill us in? I know you've been fielding a lot of questions about the swap Nikon or a yeah. Matt, a former Nikon shooter, which I've is been Nikon so funny because years. like you just, you should have listened to me. And now here you I are. had no reason to. I, I, the, the D850. I mean, I've heard several people say that it's the best DSLR ever made. And I mean, it's the best one I've ever used. I love that camera. It's old tech. It is. That's why I got a mirrorless. I got the Z7 II. And I got, so I had the 70 to 200, the newer one, which is one of the best lenses ever made that I've ever used too. Um, Incredibly fast, incredibly sharp. Autofocus is amazing. So I just got the, the L, whatever, LTZ. Maybe that's a vehicle name i don't know some the whatever the adapters called for nikon for the mirrorless so you can lose use the old lenses so i just got the adapter and then i had an 8518 that i didn't i only shot well, i still have it i, I only shot i mean there's probably less than 50 frames on it and then the kit 24 to 70 f4 and i love the feel of the camera i loved it and i i stopped i started using it because i honestly liked it better than the 850 in the fact that it's smaller and you don't think that's going to be a big deal at first it's weird you know that because it Mm -hmm. is so much lighter and people think they're not going to like it but once you get used to it i mean i i love it it's 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 easier to hold it's just not it doesn't weigh as much why would you want something that's heavier um so that and then you know i have a bulging disc in my neck so it's uh you know i and i and part of that's from photography because i have to i'm always clenching my shoulders forward and you know, and I'm supporting the camera with my left hand. So my shoulders always tight and my shoulders and chest are my strong area anyway. So what happened was that I was, I was getting too much work from working out and that on top of it. And my back was being underworked. 
And so that added to it. And I just developed a neck problem, bulging disc. And then, you know, but so, and it's, it's from like having to put my eye through the viewfinder for so many years and laying down in weird positions. And with the mirrorless, you think it's going to be weird looking at the back of the viewfinder to, to see the frame, but it's not, it's actually way more convenient because you can, you can set the camera down and flip that screen out. You don't have to lay down and get your neck all twisted up and, it just was, it's way more beneficial for me to do that. And I just, you know, it's, and I, I don't, I don't think I, I did both, but now I don't even look to the viewfinder. I don't think ever really. So it's crazy but, how, con- how convenient that is now. Um, so talking about that, isn't it funny? There's a lot of times like when I, like I'm out on a session or something and you take photos and for a brief moment in my mind, I think, man, this position I'm in, I must look ridiculous. Oh, my assistants have always laughed at me for that because I know I look ridiculous. You know, because there's a lot of times where my client might be a little shorter than I am. So, you know, instead of like doing a, just kind of squatting myself down, I'll get in like a groin stretch position or something. And you get like, I don't know. I just, I can imagine how (laughs) ridiculous, ridiculous I look sometimes, but you do what you got to do to get the shot. But that's a good point too. Like I think people, don't realize like you think oh photography that's awesome that has to be the greatest job ever and yes it's a it's a really cool job uh but it can wear on the body a little bit especially if i know with you and with a lot of my work especially through the summer i would say i would say 85 percent of my work i shoot outside and on location and i'm hauling a light around setting it constantly up, down, up, down, up, down, you know, you're on the ground. Sometimes there's a lot of wear and tear that goes on really. And your joints and stuff like that. And it's kind of unbelievable. I don't think people think about that when they think about like what we do, but, but uh, there's times I can feel it. Like I can feel it a lot, a lot of times, especially like with the light I use, I'm like, you know, we're on a C stand and a Avenger, boom is on that stand and then the lights up on top of it. And that's kind of a load to move around a lot. So, well, but I will agree. Did, I, that the, go ahead. I was going to say neat, like a lot of sports photographers wear knee pads because you try shooting a, a professional, an NFL football game that's going to last three hours and kneeling down the entire time on the same knee. I mean, that sounds kind of weak to, to think that that would, bother somebody but i'm serious it like it wears your knees out i'm not i mean it it's and i've stopped wearing them i used to wear them and it's just not being made fun of that much is not worth it. <laughs> well listen <laughs> but it, there's a reason that people do it though and i can't i don't blame anybody that does because it i mean it can wear your knees out and getting up and squatting down that much is i mean it can't be good for your for your joints and ligaments and stuff tendons. well Jennifer, you know, who works for us. She's a, one of our full-time employees uh, called the baby whisperer, newborn posing guru and things like that. She spends pretty much all of her time, you know, during her sessions, like either sitting or squatted or on her knees. And she bought a pair of knee pads. It was like a few years back. And I mean, I rode her like crazy when she'd have them on. And the irony of it all is there's times when I'll be going through the studio now and I'm like, Jennifer, where are those knee pads at? Because I want to put them on. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of validity in that. And it does make, I mean, it makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference. So yeah, and I'll still I'll still wear them from time to time, depending. But I keep uh so like you know those little seat pads you can buy for bleachers or something if you're uh if you know for like football games or whatever. Like I keep one of those with me sometimes just to drop on the ground. It's pretty easy and they're fairly thick, and I just drop my knee That's... on it. Those are good to use for basketball games. I don't like shooting basketball because of that, because it hurts my back, but that would help. Yeah, it that does help some. Um, but the mirrorless camera, the body size, just small little things like that add up, just like where you can lose weight, especially in your hands, if you don't have like a good strap or a good place to keep it. Um, like I used to wear the strap that just went around my neck, and that wears your neck out after a while, and it really wore on Lindsay's neck. She got one of those spider holsters to where the camera holsters at your hip. She hadn't used it in a while, but that does help. And I have one that's kind of more like a, I don't know, like you'd see a detective where like they harness their pistol 
up in the rib cage here, but so it's off my neck and it's, you know, moves all the weight and stuff out to just one shoulder. So it's a lot easier to carry the camera that way, but had one all those little things add up, add up, but tell us, okay. So guys, Hernandez made the full jump to Sony, which is the way you got to do it. That's the way we did it. Tell us about the camera body. Give us a little bit of insight about why the swap from Nikon to Sony and how you like the A1, which I'm a little bit jealous because the A1 is a beast of a camera, a beast. Yeah. Yeah. I have been getting this. I have had a ton of people asking me because I, I always like hashtag Nikon and tag them in a, lot, in a lot of my social media posts. So people know that I shoot Nikon and I have for a long time or they've known that I have for well, since I started. And the original reason I, I picked Nikon was because I think my parents got me a digital, an Nikon digital camera when I graduated high school. So I started with that, but I just liked the way the shutter sounded. I liked the way all their lenses were all black and it's just li little things like that. Nothing because Canon, you know, was the other main one at the time and they still are obviously. And they're very capable also. They're they're both great systems. They're different in different ways, but they both get the job done. So it doesn't really matter. I mean, it didn't really matter that much. It, you know, it's my preference, but I've always loved them. And, and I, I, I had no reason to switch and the 850 was amazing. But like I said, once I, once I got the Z7 II, I loved all the convenience of it. I love that you can put it on the ground and get a dra more dramatic angle for like my lit action stuff or any, just any kind of lit dramatic stuff with portraits in general, but especially sports, which obviously I specialize in like that, you know, that, like we said, the weight and everything, but I, I, you know, I'm, and, and most of the time the autofocus was good, but I'm just going to be honest. It's just not, nearly as good not even close and i have a d4s also which is a couple of generations old now but that's that was nikon's flagship they have the d6 now for dslr but and the d5 in between but the d4s is still a great camera um but the autofocus that on that and 850 were close they it's supposed to have the same system the 850 wasn't quite as good it was it was very close though it was it, it was it was exceptional but the Z7 II, honestly, it's just not as good. Like it just, it, and it, for the most part, it worked pretty good, like especially in well-lit outside conditions. But there was, the, what did it for me was because there was a few times that I, I was kind of like, ah, I shouldn't have missed that. You know, I typically don't. And the other thing too, the blackout, the shutter blackout. So when I did, I was trying to do action. The first time I tried to do, um, well, the first time I tried to do action shots was the football player catching a, catching a pass, and it wasn't as hard because he wasn't going super fast. We were kind of slowing it down. But I did some dance pictures in Lexington for dance studio for Limelight about two or three months ago, and they, and, and the first dancer that was doing a jump, and and I, I don't know anything about dance. I just they pose them, I take the pictures, but I I pride myself on my timing for action with lit, you know, because you only get one fire, you don't get to hold the shutter down. And I, I mean, I've gotten I've done it so much it's pretty good. And I don't, I honestly don't miss that much. And I couldn't, couldn't get it because it, it was because the shutter, for those of you that don't know on a mirrorless camera or the, the now the A1 doesn't do this. That's why I like it. But on the Z7 II, when you, and a lot of the other ones, when you take the, when you take the picture, there's a brief blackout in the viewfinder or on the screen. And so, and I, to my knowledge, I don't think there's a way around that. And so, and well, you can switch to high, to high, um, uh, the higher uh, frame rate and it, and it, and it won't black out, but it still pauses for a second. So it's essentially the same thing. But what was happening was if I missed the timing, cause I, and especially with dance, because like I didn't know exactly what they were going to do. Cause I'm not as familiar with dance with, with football or basketball, it might be a little bit different. Cause I would have known the movement better, but I did, I wouldn't, if I missed late or early, I wouldn't see the entire movement because of the blackout and therefore I wouldn't know where I missed and where I needed to adjust. And so it got very frustrating because I just, there was one dancer in particular, I couldn't get it. And I had to go back to my 850 and then I got it on the first shot once I switched back. And so that, that kind of made me start to hesitate. And I was like, man, that kind of sucks. Like that's going to be hard to get around. And so there was also a slight delay and when the strobe would fire, I mean, it was milliseconds, but it matters when you're photographing a, an athlete or anything moving fast. I figured that's probably a firmware thing that they can fix um, them or Westcott, whatever. I mean, I was using the FDA 400s. I, I don't know which one, but the camera was still really new. It still is new. So I figured that was going to be fixable. 
I don't know about the blackout. I don't know if that is. I, I kind of don't think so. But anyway, so and then, but what really did it was I had a travel baseball team inside in like you know a metal building with astroturf, just a normal practice facility, and they had caps on, and I was missing focus a lot. And they were just standing there. These were regular portraits, and I had you know dynamic area right on the the focus point right on their eyes where you're supposed to back button focus. I mean, I've been doing it for years, never had an issue. And I was missing like every third shot it was at was out. And I was like, man, this is not okay. But then I kind of like justified a little bit because, well, they have hats on and it's really, it is low light in here, but it wasn't low light enough to where it should have mattered that much. So, and I also, but I also noticed in the dance studio, which was just a normally lit room, that I was missing every now and then. And then I, when I got the 850 out, like, cause you know how, when you prep, when you back button focus, you can hear the motor, you can feel it searching yeah. for focus. And when it locks it, it, it stops when you've got it in focus. Well, the, the Z7 II a lot of times was kind of, it kept moving and I would still get the focus most of the time, but I could feel it. And I was like, that's, that's a little weird. And the 850 didn't do it. It was when I switched, it was right every time, just immediate. And I was like, well, that's not good. But I mean, I can still, I can probably, I, again, I justified it well. But what really did it was I shot a father-daughter dance at, at the local country club about a month ago, a few weeks ago. And it was white seamless in a normally lit room. It wasn't dim or anything like that. No hats or anything. And I was focusing on their eyes once again. And I was still missing like every fourth or fifth frame. And and I, that's just, it just wasn't, I, at that point, I was like, okay. I've got to do something about this. That's not, that's not good. That's, that can't happen. And it's, you know, it shouldn't happen to anybody, much less a professional that takes portraits like this for a living. This is about that. That was honestly about the easiest scenario you can be in. The only thing was it wasn't outside. So if it was in broad daylight outside, but again, it wouldn't have missed them because the light would have been better, but it wasn't, it was dim, but it wasn't dim enough to where it should have been doing that. And so that's when I, I talked to a friend, uh, JC at Westcott, and he actually has, he used to work at Nikon and he switched to Sony. So he was telling me the differences, the the drawbacks, what's better about each. And so I got, then I got on the phone with Sony. They sent me the equipment to try. And immediately I could tell the autofocus was on the, the, the AR7 IV. Immediately I could tell it was pretty much just like the 850 had been. It was, it was, and then, there, and then the black, there was no blackout. And I was like, well, you know, honestly, Sony is ahead right now because they're, they're the ones that are innovating. They're coming out with stuff first. They're just better right now. And I feel like Nikon's behind. I hate to say that because I've been loyal to Nikon for so many years, but I mean, I'm just being hundred percent honest. I just don't feel like that they, that they're, they're doing as good of a job right now. And to me, Sony just has a lot, they're coming out with stuff left and right. And there's, and so I started looking at the, the different bodies and stuff like that. And so that, you know, JC told me about the A1, which he had just got. And he was like, now I'm just going to be honest. Like it took me two months to get mine. Like they're very hard to find right now because everybody wants them. And so I, and he was like, I, he said that he wanted to hate it, but he's like, <laughs> I couldn't, he's like, it was just, it's everything you want. And I was like, dang. So after the, after shooting with the AR 74 for a couple of weeks, I was like, you know what, if the A1, and cause he said it was significantly better than the A1 was significantly better than even that one, than even the AR 74, A7 R4. And uh, so at that point I was like, you know what? Cause he said, you know, cause he used to be, you know, he, he's very connected and more, more so than me. And so, and you know, he has friends that like, you know, different companies like B and H and Sony and stuff like that. So for him to, for it to take him that long to get one, I was like, well, I might as well, if I'm going to get it, I need to do it now because I'm thinking, you know, you know, and, 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 and don't get me wrong. The Z7 II is, is a good camera. It just was missing too much for me. And I, I, I need to know that it's never going to do that. So I, that's, I ended up, uh, I was going to buy one and he was like, what do you want? I told him and he was like, what do you want one? I was like, he's like, I just, I was at a camera store in New York and I found one. They have one left. And so I went ahead and got it. And I've been, I've shot with it for about a week and a half now, I guess. And it's pretty badass. I mean, I, I don't know what it's really, it doesn't have any, it doesn't have any flaws. Honestly, it really doesn't. The, the menu system in the older ones, the, AR, the A7R4, I didn't like it. A lot of people say that. And that's hundred percent true. Uh, the noise wasn't as, it didn't, it looked like he said this too. It looked more like, like Nikon's noise looked more like grain. Their noise looked more like, like noise. It didn't look as good. That was true. I feel like that's improved in the A1. 
So, I mean, really, and the menu system's revamped, like I said. So, I mean, it's 30 frames a second. There's no blackout. I mean, it's the, the image quality is, is just as good. So, you know, 50 megapixels, there's really an autofocus. I mean, it goes right to their eye immediately. As soon as you put, pull, pull the camera up and look at the back, it goes right to their eyes yeah. and it, it doesn't really miss on. And even if you have the focus point in the top right corner and the person's face is like in the middle or something, it'll go, it'll still go to their eye and you can it hold will. back button focus and it'll still focus on their face. It will. It knows. And then, yeah. So, I mean, I, I never thought that I would switch. Honestly, I thought I would always ride it out with Nikon just because I'm so used to it, but I just, I just thought it was time. And I'm, um, and so far I have not regretted it. Now I am going to lose a little bit of money, obviously. And I'm trying to sell my Nikon stuff, which I've got some of it sold already, but I'm still going to, I'm going to take a little bit of a hit, but I just feel like for the future, it's the best move. Yeah. Well, and I agree. I, I think having a, you know, an honest conversation about it because all of them are making great equipment, but it's like with us when, cause we're just shooting the a seven R three. Um, and we, we, purchased those before the a7r4 was even out um, and there was you know nobody knew about the a1 yet but just speaking to what you're talking about that auto focusing is really unbelievable you know even in the a7r3 like you said you turn the camera on put somebody in the frame and bam the face yeah, the and, eye, the, and the a1 the way, is better believe it or not Oh, I mean, I, I know the reviews and stuff I've read. And now I will, I will agree with you in the A7R3, that menu system, it's daunting. I don't like it. It's not, it just doesn't flow. There's, it doesn't make sense. It's not, it doesn't. It's not there, I mean, there, there's so much, like there's so much stuff in there. Gosh, but so I'm glad to hear that that is better. Uh, it is. And it's, it's completely different. Yeah. And I think, I think that that's will be super beneficial. But I think just the Sony makes an incredible machine. We shot Canon for 10 years and we tried both of their mirrorless system or we tried their mirrorless system out before we swapped to Sony. We used, it was the EOS R at the time. It was the first mirrorless Canon was going to release. And honestly, the Canon, like you had said, felt better in my hand. You know, I liked it better. I liked how it felt in my hand because I was accustomed to that. But as far as performance, we tried it, tried the, the a7r3 and i mean it was, it was hands down it was just just a better machine and that's again nothing against canon because i think they're producing uh great quality equipment but like you said i think both kind of got behind um in the you know with the mirrorless technology and sony was just uh, ahead of the game on it yeah and i'm interested to see what the nikon's coming out with the z9 uh, supposedly later this year um so yeah. that's going to be well, better grip. Think, that, that, that's going to be like the the d6 basically the mirrors equivalent i think but you know obviously the newer version but it's got the battery grip built in it's like they're going to be their flagship flagship that the, the, the drawbacks the a1 is that it's sixty five hundred dollars plus tax so that's obviously yeah but that's i feel like maybe that's kind of close to standard because i know like canon well, will release their eos r3 which is going to be like the 1dx2 equivalent Mm-hmm. And the 1DX2, when it came out, battery grip built in, all that. I mean, it was like $6,000 for the box. That's the Nikon will be that much. Also. And I think that's, that the, that's, know, that's what the, your flagship's going to cost. Yeah. I mean, that's so, just, uh, it's kind of like anchoring their camera ecosystem, I guess. So and, and the, I yeah, feel the, like that's pretty standard, which, you know, over time, the price will drop a little bit. But those are, yeah. I mean, it's the cream of the crop when it comes to the camera. But I yeah, love that, it. I love the Sony system. I, let me ask you about this, the A1, and it may not be any different. The only thing that I wish is that there was some way that the screen could flip out both ways. Yeah, that's the only thing. That's That would be the only thing that, I, that would be nice when you go vertical, if you could flip it out from the bottom too, so you could see it, like hold it down on the ground. And then and flip, flip the up. screen out that way, because I did notice on Canon's um, EOS R back when we were testing it, the screen popped out that way, so you could shoot a portrait that's slam nice. to the ground and, and yeah, i'm kind of surprised that that doesn't do that really but no it doesn't but i mean that's that's small, that's small potatoes you know yeah the way that it performs is is just amazing and and the thing is you can you can use it for anything you can use it for on location because the iso performance is awesome you can use oh, it for yeah. sports low lit sports you know like high school football like i shoot all the time uh in the front you know 30 frames a second i mean i've never shot with more than 11 so i mean i you know, I, there should be no excuse for missing with 30 frames a second or even 20. 
you know, and then the megapixels is the high, so you can, there's a lot of cropping ability, the, um, you know, and I mean, everything about it really, you can use it because like the 850 was billed as more of a portrait specialty camera, even though you could shoot action with it because with the battery grip, it got it up to 10 frames a second, which is more than enough. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's still, it wasn't quite as good for action, but this one is, is equally good for both. Yeah, you can hear my, my killer dog back there in the background, too. I have no idea what he's barking at. <laughs> Probably nothing, you know. Well, he's white and fluffy, so, like, if something runs at him, he's going to run away. He's going <laughs> to run away. He's um, white and fluffy just like you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That that was pretty good. I'm going to have to give it to you. Mm. I'm going to have no. to give it to you. Lots of things going on here right now. Dog barking. Lindsay call so professional you you're you're in a cutoff t-shirt i mean you just need to get it together man <laughs> you know just you know get your life together Bowler. get your life together uh well that's all good stuff um because it i mean it interests me about the new camera bodies like i said i'm just shooting a, the a7r3 still and it's a it's been an incredible machine so i can't imagine how awesome the a1's gonna be hopefully uh when we get together sometime you'll let me you'll let me you'll let me shoot it <laughs> You I don't know. The, you'll let me push the shutter button. Maybe. Yeah, you definitely won't get to be able to hold it. I might let you look at it. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Feel the power. Um, see what kind of mood I'm in. Well, that's good, and hopefully that'll help you know answer questions for people because I know, you know, people wonder when you swap, you know, why you're swapping, and um, I think that's good information to share with people. And you know, auto focusing is, I mean, it's a big deal, and especially with the type of work you're doing lots of fast action it does make a huge difference in the sony yeah. right now just has a their their auto focusing system is it's just really great i mean it, it it you don't miss i mean every now and then you're going to but it's it's pretty rare that that thing's not locking right onto the eyes so yeah and again you know i mean i am trying to sell my night Kind of stuff so i you know it's kind of funny that i'm sitting here talking about the autofocus not being as good but it's not <laughs> terrible it's just what? not as it's it's just not as consistent as what i have been used to and i and i'm used to like the d4s was a six thousand dollar camera so that's that's why i'm used to that i'm used to the very yeah. best autofocus and so that's why for somebody that's not a professional that's like a, a like an avid hobbyist for somebody that even does it part-time that you know it may be completely fine for them but well, i could and you I, know just honestly, that, that one that 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 five percent of that time that it was that it was not good enough like that's just too much for me i need it to be i need to be relying at 100 percent of the time because that's how i make my living with what you're shooting too absolutely you know if you're you're a portrait beauty photographer something like that the camera it may it may be incredible you know and it may work great but i think i think being honest you know it's not really criticizing anything because it's still a great machine and would probably work very well given uh, the type of situation somebody may be photographing or photographing, but for you, it, uh, it just wasn't exactly what you needed. And, you know, we've got brand loyalty is important, but you know, we have a, you, me, Lindsay, you know, photographers, we have a responsibility to our clients to deliver the absolute best. And, you know, well, when we're not doing that, um, and we know that it could be better if we were to make a small change or a change like that. You know, I feel like we have to do it. You know, that's, that's who our first responsibility lies to. So I think well, people yeah, appreciate you being honest about that, you know, and, yeah. and, and sharing, you know, why you're switching and other sports photographers out there may need to know that. So, yeah, well, like I even said that, like if I had been on a shoot for Athlon to shoot at, uh, you know, a couple of Ohio State football players or at Kentucky in Lexington to shoot a couple of Kentucky basketball players or something like that, I wouldn't have been able. I probably, I don't know that I would have used the Z7 II because I might have missed that one shot that I needed and not even realize it because it was just barely out of focus. And so, in the, I have you have to, as a professional. You need to you need to know you're going to give the client the best you can give all the time, and that was the problem too. Was like some of the pictures that were out of focus. Like I didn't notice it by just looking. I had to zoom in to everything because I, you know, in even if stuff's a little bit soft, I'm not. I don't want it. You know, so that's that's where I was at. But anyway, enough about enough about that. I think everybody. <laughs> well, I think that's a good talk, though. I mean, people. People obviously want to know 
uh, they're asking, they're wondering. So I think addressing it and then, you know, people being able to listen and um, get a little bit of insight into uh, why you switched and about the machines and just your take on it, I think will be really valuable. So I think a good, good talk to have here today. I mean, that's, it's what we do. It's part of what we do every day, but let's talk about something else real quick too. Are you ready for the transition? Yeah. I mean, do we have enough time to talk about anything else too? Honestly? I don't know. I don't even, how long we've been going. I'm not even, I haven't been paying attention. I don't know. We probably, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand. I just said that you want to deliver the best for your clients all the time. And that's, that's what we were actually originally, we're going to talk about this episode was always trying as hard as you can, basically. Right. Yeah. 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 Taking what you do seriously. And I think uh, that is a good segue. Um, And basically I remember you and I back during the, you know, the lockdowns and things going on with the pandemic and stuff, uh, which it's odd. It just, it seems like a lifetime ago. And sometimes it seems like yesterday, but me and you had a, a couple of discussions. I remember and Lindsay and I've had this discussion, you know, numerous times about, being able to take what you do seriously, especially being a photographer. I don't know if you feel this way and Lindsay and I certainly didn't, but I think it happens to people sometimes that, you know, what we do sometimes is hard for people to take serious. Um, and that is in part because if you're a photographer out there, I don't, you know, I don't know what level you might be at listening to the show. You might just be starting. You might've done it for 30 years. I'm not sure. But I think when you just get started, photography to a lot of people seems like more of like a hobbyist thing. It seems like it's fun all the time um, and that the job's great. And sometimes that's easy for the photographer themselves to kind of get that mindset and not take it super seriously, you know, not think you're really running a legitimate business that matters and it really does and what you and I talked about small little things every day running your photography business especially even when we were going through the pandemic getting up uh get you know putting on nice clothes getting dressed up and actually going to you know your studio treating it like a big business even when it's small and that's something Lindsay and I always wanted to do and prided ourselves on doing was before we even had, you know, any work or people knew who we were, we wanted people to think, to know that like, we really meant business. Like we were here to grow a a business. We were here to stay and to produce high quality work. And, you know, that's why we, you know, have a logo, you know, treat whatever customers you have at the time, treat whatever marketing you're putting out there, um, like it matters, you know, treat yourself like a big business, even if you don't have any work yet. And I think that's super important, you know, take what you do very seriously. If you want people to take you serious, you know, you're going to have to take it serious yourself. And that's just something that I feel is difficult sometimes for artists and photographers is to treat or to think of what they do, you know, seriously or very seriously, you know, like it's like it is a business, like it is a big business, but it, it really is, you know, and I think that that it matters. And I don't, I mean, maybe you could speak to that some, because I know you and I, when we were talking, your studio is connected to your house and it could be easy to fall into the snare of, you know, just walk into your studio every day. If you don't have any shoot, you know, in your pajamas or something, you know, I'm not going to lie. I've done that several (laughs) times. Yeah. But you under, you understand that it, you know, those things, it does make a difference just getting up, putting on nice clothing, even if it's to walk five feet into your studio, it, you, you're, you're creating a certain mindset around what you're doing, that it matters. You know, what I get up, what I do matters. If you walk into, you know, your studio every day in pajamas and just dragging in, it would affect how you handled your business, or at least that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, I'd like to say that's why I got dressed today, but really it just was because I wanted to wear my Murph shirt just to remind you that you hadn't done it. And I had, <laughs> You know, you know, you do one Murph, you do one Murph and you think you're just awesome. And you got a t-shirt. I just know that I've done something you band, have. So. Band pull-ups don't count. It wasn't a band. It, yes, it was. It was a band. No, it wasn't. It was the rings. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I won't next time. I'm actually going to do one today. I'm going to do street pull-ups. So. Oh, are you? you yeah, That's I'm going to try. 
Training I don't know how to so break fun. I don't know how to break it up. I think I'm gonna do sets of five. Hundred pull-ups is a lot if you're doing strict. Hundred pull-ups is a lot of pull-ups. And I'm not yeah. I'm not good at pull-ups. It took me a long time to be able to crank out like 10 to 15. I think that I could probably do 20 if I didn't if I went to failure, but the hunter is going to be hard for those of you that don't know, don't know a Murph. The Murph is, um, it's a CrossFit event that they do on Memorial day to honor a fallen Navy seal. And you have to do, you have to run a mile, do a hundred pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats. And the pull-ups everybody thinks sounds hard. Uh, and probably the push-ups, the squats, people don't think that, that that's like the least intimidating. And then you have to run another mile at the very end. I don't know if I said that, but, that's the hardest part. The air squats are not fun. No. And all. it's what it's 300 air squats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's it's rough. So anyway, but I, but that CrossFit is a community and I don't do CrossFit, but I take pictures for a CrossFit gym. I'm good friends with the owners. So they put on the event and I went and I did it with them. And, and I was, I mean, I, and I didn't do, you can do kipping pull-ups, which is the ones where you jerk or strict pull-ups, or you can do, basically reverse rows where you keep your legs on the ground and stay straight and lean back and, and pull on the rings, which is what I did because I didn't, I've never done one before. So I, I wanted to make sure I finished. Um, and it was still wasn't easy to do the pull-ups, but I want to do strict next time. And then the, the CrossFit guys that take it serious, that train for that type of stuff, they wore 20 pound weight at best too, which oh, eventually maybe, but yeah, that's insane. So strict 20 to hundred strict pull-ups would be hard enough but you put that vest on too. I don't know about oh that. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? Yeah, that would be rough, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I mean, I might, I'm thinking about starting CrossFit. So, cause it was so much fun. I enjoyed it, which that it sounds is. crazy that that would be fun, but I, but I, you know, we like working out. So I think, I think it looks awesome. Like I think it would be so cool. We were talking earlier before we started the show, if we had a, a gym closer to Scottsville, I would love to be a part of it. Yeah, no, I, I would give you a reason to work out and compete with, you know, not like seriously compete with other people, but like, but it gives motivation and like, you know, cause I always lift harder when I got my partner with me. So, you know, that would kind of be, you'd always have multiple people there. I think it would be, it would be kind of neat. So I'm, I might give it a shot, but not to get off subject, but that kind of goes with it too, about <laughs> taking things seriously. Cause we take our health seriously and that's part of it too. So. It is. Yeah. It's a whole mindset thing. You know, it's, it's a game. You've got to play with your mind. What's that saying? The, the body's willing. It's the mind that we have to overcome. Yep. And, uh, and that's why it gets monotonous working out, doing the same thing, getting bored. Like you talked, excuse me, talked about. And that's why, like, I kind of want to switch it up a little bit too, and maybe throw CrossFit in there because I box and lift regularly, but I, but it, even that's getting old, even though I love it. And so throwing something different in there might be nice, but that keeps you sharp too and it helps you to because it's hard i mean taking you can take things seriously but being motivated is a, is, a, is a different story so you know it's good that's why you can get complacent and or, and or bored and so that's why you know with anything not just working out but it's good to switch it up but then back to the whole getting dressed thing uh you know i read a book i don't, I don't it's and it's an easy read you should read it if you haven't called make your bed oh i haven't read it but uh no, I don't think Lindsay has either, but I know what you're talking what, about. It's a, isn't it written by, is it, is it a Navy SEAL that wrote it or? Yeah, William McRaven. Yeah. He's, a, he's an admiral or is an admiral. But he, yeah, so it basically just talks about in the military how that's the first thing they have to do is make their bed. And they, like they, they, they check it every day. Their, their officers check it every day. At least when they're going, like initially, I don't know if they continue to do this or not, but once you're like a veteran or like, you know, a vet in there and, been, you know, been in the SEALs for a while or the Navy for a while, but you, they like flip, they drop a, I guess a quarter on it and it has to bounce back up. The sheet has to be so tight that it bounces back up. It has to be perfect pretty much. And they check their uniform stuff too. But, but the point is, and he tells several stories about, about himself and, um, and, you know, it, that, that correlate to that, uh, when he was in active duty. And, but the point is that if you making your bed sounds really silly and, and like, why would that matter? But it starts your day off on a positive note and believe it or not, that that's an accomplishment is you have done something immediately. You've made your bed. So that gets the day off on the right note and it starts momentum with that which makes complete sense. And it is 100% true because you look at your bed 
and you're going to feel better about it than you would if it was not made. Even if you don't really care walking out of your room when it's messy and the sheets are everywhere and the pillows are on the floor on top of each other, you may just shrug it off and forget about it. But if you walk out and it's nicely made, it's going to make you feel better. And it's going to make you start the day on a positive note of having accomplished something immediately. And that's the point. Yeah. And isn't it funny how so many little small things like that really make such a huge difference when you think about it in the tone of your day or your mood or how you feel. I was yesterday, this is something for me, like if my vehicle starts to get pretty messy and I spent a lot of time in my truck um, back and forth between Owensboro <laughs> and Central City and here. But, but the last time I was in it, whew, but it tends to be like a catch-all for stuff. You know, your kids, they think your truck, you know, your vehicles are garbage cans. And so yesterday when I got home, I I just gotten to the point. I was like, I just, I can't take it anymore. Cleaned it all out. Everything feels nice, clean. When you finish something like that, you, there's like a sense of accomplishment that kind of wells up inside of you. And then things feel in order and organized. It's, it creates like almost a clarity in your mind, which you've got to have when you have a lot of things going on. It's the same way with making your bed. You get up, the room's not messy anymore. It appears clean. It appears clear. And then that translates into how you think about what you've just accomplished. It, it translates into how you, 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 you prepare for the rest of your day. There's definitely some science behind that. I mean, and if you haven't done that, if you're listening, like spend what, maybe like a week, get up, make your bed every day, look at it before you walk out and pay attention to how you feel and how the rest of your day goes. I'm telling you, it makes a huge difference. Small little things like that. I remember listening to one of Frisella's podcasts um, on The Real AF, and he was talking about, you know, the small little things you get bored with every day, and then people won't want to do them anymore because they get bored. But if you can get really good at doing the small things well every day and never stopping you will be successful because those are the little things that matter. You can't, I mean, you can't do the big things if you can't do the boring stuff every day and do it well. I mean, yeah, well, who wants to make the better things, day? It's boring, but you do it every day. It's going to make a big difference. You develop a habit of consistently getting things done the same way. And so that translates, it's a snowball effect. It is. Yeah. That, I heard, you a, can't, I heard a great quote yesterday. My uh, buddy, Seth Sneed, uh, we were talking on the phone, just talking about uh, catching up life in general. But he has a horse trainer, so he he cuts horses, trains horses. He said he's got a horse trainer he listens to a lot. And he, he said he made a quote that stuck with him one time, and I thought it was awesome. He said, if you can't do the small stuff, things get ordinary really quick. And I may have misquoted that a little bit, but I thought it was awesome because you can't, the way I took it was you can't really excel or get better at anything if you can't do the small things well all the time. You just stay ordinary. Everything's going to stay ordinary like it is all the time. I just, I thought it was super cool. I'd never heard it stated that way. But if you can't do the small things, things can get ordinary pretty quick. So Hmm. I think it makes a big difference, man. I think yeah, it makes it definitely a big does. difference. It definitely does. But taking things seriously, doing the little things. Yeah, that's that was the main topic we wanted to discuss today. And that was the first thing I thought of was that book. You should read it. It's because it's easy. It's not very yeah. big. Well, and I've heard him. I've, I've listened to a speech or a talk he's given before. And I mean, he, he referenced the book a lot. And and that topic a whole lot, just making your bed. And it, uh, it some makes of the, perfect sense. Some of the stories, one, one in particular, he had jumped out of a plane and so, and his chute wouldn't pull. And either he, he was falling to a high rate of speed. Well, he was, he was close to another, another seal, I guess. And one of them hit the, either the other guys, I think the other guys shoot pulled and his didn't. And so he, I can't remember one of them hit the other one. And he said, I think he hit, I think he hit the other guys and he bounced off basically like a, a trampoline on steroids, you know, falling, free falling. And I think he came to, and I, and I may be getting this a little bit wrong, but it's been a while since I read it, but he came to and, it, and his cord had lapped, like wrapped around his, I think he pulled it and it didn't come out all the way and it wrapped around his leg. And so anyway, it started slipping and he knew, I mean, if, if it didn't 
pull. If it, the shoot didn't go, he was going to die. So he knew it, but, but the, now the problem was because it's wrapped around his leg, it was going to rip his torso in half, basically. When it when the shoot came out, and he saw it, he said he's it's he saw it slipping, and it, and it he knew it was what was about to happen, and it did, and it like basically like like ripped his torso in half, like his abs separated from his body, like it, it it's just, the way he describes it is just awful. I mean, and he like and anyway he survived, and and they ended up fixing him, and he's fine now. But I mean, that was one of the stories in the book. It was pretty brutal. But did you imagine? I mean, well, we think we experience mental strain. Could you imagine free falling, knowing that your abdomen's getting ready to get torn in half? And it, but if he didn't, it would he would have died. So he had I know. to, you know. So, which he, I don't think he. I think actually he wasn't going to be able to stop it anyway. So it didn't matter. But um, but yeah, but he references making his bed when he was like bedridden for however long because. I think, I think anyway, maybe once he started to like be able to like get up and get in the wheelchair or something, get out of bed, basically like he was still making his bed, even in the hospital. And because it matters. And I mean, I think you and I can speak to that uh, through programs like 75 hard and stuff. Like when you stop them and you think you're going to do okay, you know, it'll be fine. You, You can feel yourself starting to slip, you know, back into old, poisonous habits when you're not keeping your routine each and every day like when you're not disciplining your time when you're not doing the small stuff like that at least i know i can that's why i've started working out twice a day again because it, it helps it helps me know like i know that i when i if i lift at 5 a.m which i do three days a week and i get back and i'm usually typically ready for work by seven i know that i have to get my butt in here if i don't have a shoot in the morning and get as much edited as I can by lunch because I know that I'm gonna eat. Then I'm gonna eat lunch, and then I'm gonna have like an hour after that, which I might get a little bit more done. But then it's gonna be time to work out again in the afternoon, or I have to do it right before lunch. So I may have three hours before I have to work out before because you know, that's the, if I have a shoot in the afternoon, then I'm gonna need to li- I'm gonna need to to box at ten or whatever I'm doing. And so I know that I, I have a three hour window where I've got to get a lot done. So you've got to be mentally more mentally disciplined and focused to get. And, and I have, since I've started doing that again, which has been about two and a half weeks, I started working out twice a day again, since I, I've gotten more done, I kind of slipped back. I was being real productive. Then 75 hard was over and I was still for a little bit. And then I started to slip. And now since I started working out again, it makes me focus more because, and people think, well, I don't have time to do that. Well, you actually, you, you make the time if you want to. And it, yep. and it what it does for me is like, I, I just said this a couple of times already, but it makes me focus on what I'm doing. So, cause I know I have only have a certain amount of time. I don't have all day to mess around. I've got to get done in three hours. And so I get more done as a result of that. Yep. Absolutely. So, so much truth in that. So if you're listening, make the time guys, this stuff does matter and you won't ever know or realize it or understand it until you actually just do it. So you actually just yeah. do and, I, and I've, I've had several people that have done 75 hard that like, I don't have time. I've got kids. And I'm like, yeah, you do. You have time. Just make, you know, the you have- funny thing about that is uh, of course uh, we've been through it. Well, I've been through it once failed and almost got through it twice, but, uh, but late in our daughter now, she's been asking me like two or, I mean, she's asked numerous times. She's like, when are you and mom going to start 75 hard again? And in my mind, the whole time I've been like, you know, I feel bad because I come home and when I do my second workout, I feel like, man, I'm taking time. You know, I feel like I've been taking time away from my children that I need to be spending with them. But the reality is they would go walk with me. They would go walk with us. You know, we'd flip the tire outside. We would exit and they enjoyed that. And that was time we were spending together. Um, So it, it was working and they, they ask now, Hey, when are you going to start it again? When are you going to start that again? So our kids like it. And it gave us time together, you know, family walk, family jog, flip the big tire. I mean, they enjoyed that stuff, which I just think it's funny because when I, when I failed, I was like, all right, I'm going to modify this and I'm going to set 45 minutes aside in the evening to spend with, you know, my kids doing something they want to do. And that's what they like. <laughs> that's what they like doing. So uh, you can make it work. Like you can make it work. You can involve your family. The reality is, it's like when you do it and you're operating at a higher level, you're better for your family anyway. You know, mm-hmm. the time yeah. you're getting, giving them is more intentional. It's clear. It's focused. So it's all good stuff, man. 
It's all good stuff. Anything else? Anything else on your mind, Matt? I think that's good. I'm I'm good for a week or so. <laughs> well, hopefully I can pin you down again. Uh, maybe we can have we can have another show, guys, but I've enjoyed it. It's been good talking with you as always. Hopefully some good little nuggets in there. I feel like we covered a lot of ground for people. Uh, but take what you do seriously, guys, no matter what it is you're doing, no matter what business you're running, no matter who you're working for, uh, artists especially, take what you do serious. It matters. Treat it like it matters. Treat yourself like it matters because it does. You have to if you want to be successful. So that's what I got, man. Good stuff, buddy. All right. Well, hey, <laughs> hey, again, if you guys, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback. I haven't really gotten any negative feedback. I'm sure there's things we need to work on, obviously. So if oh, anybody well, has yeah. any constructive criticism, we'd love to hear it. But if you like the show, I mean, we'd appreciate a rating on like a five-star rating or whatever, or a review on iTunes. That would be great. Heck yeah. Help grow it. Cause I want to keep doing it. It's a lot of fun. And it sounds it like people are getting some stuff out of it. I don't know how, but uh, I know. think we've got, we've got some good guests we're going to have on eventually uh, list. We've kind of talked about, I think will be enjoyable for people, a good show, but give us a five-star rating. And I think if you like it, share it with somebody else, you know, send them the link to the show. Say, hey, check it out. Check these two guys out. They're pretty awesome. Or they're not, you know, but 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 share it, you know, share it with somebody. Spread, spread the love. Spread the love. All right, man. Well, listen, hope everybody has a, a fantastic day, a great weekend. Actually, not sure when you're going to listen to this, so <laughs> it'll probably, probably post Monday. So uh, have a great week then. Matt, you do the same, buddy. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. See you guys. Have a great day.